when you take a community that's been experimented on and lied to and discriminated against and you tell them you're coming to them as this authority figure and saying there's something wrong with your child and therefore we're going to put them on medicine they're going to balk at the idea adhd rewired episode number 61 This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me thank our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Check show notes for link. Do you need an easy way to connect with people virtually, but don't want to be hassled by downloads that don't work, connections that are complicated? Go to erictivers.com slash Zoom and check out truly what I think is a revolutionarily easy to use video conferencing platform. That's erictivers.com slash zoom. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I am joined with my guest, Renee Brooks Guthridge, who has a blog. She's a writer. She's a wife, stepmother. She has the magical ability of making things disappear by losing them. She blogs about ADHD, Serial the Podcast, and you can check out her blog at Black Girl Lost Keys. Renee, thanks for joining me on ADHD Rewired. Thanks for having me, Eric. Finally, scheduling issues are over. (laughs) You know, and and we say finally, it's absolutely true because I think this is attempt four. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Between the computer, both of our schedules, a calendar, snafus, it, it's been... And it was it was early. both of us, too. It was completely both of us. It was There was one time where uh, you had messaged me, and I think your message was, I'm ready. And I was, I was getting a haircut, and it, it dawned on me, <laughs> wait a minute, I remember seeing that in my calendar, but it, like, disappeared... Um, which yeah. was one of the the indicators that I, I discovered that something in my wife's phone got changed, and we have a, a three and a half year old. Um, oh. So it used to be where she only had the view uh, access to the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm blaming Gibson for that one. That's my son. She's looking and she's going. I don't have a meeting with them <laughs> at eleven. Get rid of that. But then we had a nice conversation uh, uh, to kind of make up for it. It just wasn't recorded. And uh, you kind of shared with me kind of what, what was going on with you. And um, you shared that you were kind of going through some anxiety. And uh, so I do want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about uh, your blog and all things Renee. So Awesome. And I like to talk. So we're, we're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you doing this morning? Today was a, a very ADHD morning. Tell me um, about that. I had to get my husband to work, wrangle my dogs and get them walked and come to the quiet place, which is not my house, so that I could uh, interview with you today. And the whole morning just went 
up in smoke. Like my husband was running late to work. So I'm rushing to the house because I'm like, I got to get these dogs walked. My friend called me and needed me to look over uh, this appeals paperwork for her. And I'm like, right now? And she's like, my meeting's later. And I'm like, oh, yes, right now. How am I going to get everything done and still get... It's like playing a video game sometimes. <laughs> like, like these challenges, like get everything done and get to the to the spot to meet for the drop-off at 11. You know, it, it's awful. Well, it sounds like, Renee, that you have your... There's no blinders on in a sense. And I know for me, when I'm trying to get through my day, I got to make sure I have my blinders on. Uh, yes. I, I was telling you uh, before, because you were telling me that, you know, I think your your intention was to get to your friend's house like an hour early or something. And, yeah. uh, and, and I think you maybe just got there. Um, and the the result was cause, because he picked up the phone when your friend called you. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and then I, and yeah, I let you know about the secret of this thing called voicemail. And <laughs> no. No, voicemail. I have persistent people in my life, Eric. I have people who will call my phone, then they'll call my husband's phone, then they'll call my house phone, and then they'll repeat until they get a hold of me. Not this particular person, but there are people in my life who will do that. Well, then maybe we should have a conversation about setting boundaries, Uh, because that is... I've got a book about that. (laughs) One of these days, I'm going to read it. That would be a great idea. What's the book? It's called boundaries, ironically. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, I, I know it, it drives my, my mom nuts that like I, I never answer the phone. And, you know, anytime I do answer the phone, you know, I get that, that, uh, she's like, oh my gosh, what's the special occasion that you answer the phone? And I'm like, mm-hmm. It's like, don't put, don't push it. Uh, but, yeah. Cause it's like, if you call, like they don't realize when they're calling that, potentially they're sending your whole day into a frenzy. Right. right. And it's not, not their fault. It's not, not my, at all. It, it, it just, it's the, the matter of attention shifting because, you know, when we look at neurotypical people who have this amazing ability to get interrupted with something, put like this magic book marker on like right where they were, take that interruption. And when that interruption is over, they pick up right where they left off. Like nothing, no time's ever passed. It's, it's like this magic trick that I, I don't seem to have the the magical skills they should bottle that <laughs> who needs vivance when you can have whatever that is well i just call it sti- i just call it sticky notes and writing everything down that's um, it so it's um you know and then the the delay the, the other issue is then so i forget to check the voicemail and yep. then two days go go past or I haven't called back. And yep. then I, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about it. And in my head, it's this huge thing. And it's like, and then I just hope it's going to go away, which, That's which right. it never does. And it's, so one of the things uh, that you may have heard on a, a few podcasts ago, I had said it was about the, um, uh, you know, positive thinking, kind this habit of, of positive thinking. Yes. And one of the things that I stated on there is that I am known for returning people's calls and replying to people in a timely manner. The, the essence of this was to create the vision of what you want it to be. So that's where right. I'm trying, you know, it's, but I know I state that almost every day and it, it's, it helps, but it's something that I got to push myself to do. Because it feels like a waste of time when you're busy sometimes. It's like, I don't have the time to do this. And it's, it's not the, it's not the person. It's just the fact that 
I know that I can turn a five minute conversation into an hour. You have that gift too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I can make time expand. I do not just make things disappear. You know, a question that I have for uh for our, our listeners is if there's any book that anyone knows about that actually uh kind of details how to have a five minute phone call. I would love to to learn about that. We should write it. We'll make a million. I just haven't figured it out yet. Absolutely. <laughs> That's all right. We're going to work on it. Maybe I need like a sound effects machine, you know, have the fire alarm going off. Oh, the, uh, yeah. You know, my, my, my son's like, my son calling me uh, the crying baby. You know, it's because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't figured this thing out. And it's, you know, and, and I think that, that one, one thing that I have done that has worked is before I make a phone call to somebody is I'll write down what is the, the objective of my phone call and I'll keep that right in front of me. And, you know, I'll keep looking yeah. at that. And, you know, if, if I realize that I'm steering off that point, I try to get back to it. And that's been helpful. Um, but I don't always do it. <laughs> and you know what? That's, that's the key. It's like there's so many safeguards we can put in place for ourselves. And we'll be like, and if I had only put that safeguard in place, man, that would have been brilliant. You know what, I need? what we need? A, a prison phone. Five minutes and you're cut yes. off. Yes. Oh, my God. You just solved it. <laughs> you just solved it. Now, as long as it literally cuts off and we don't get the option to go, oh, just one more thing. <laughs> no, no. Oh, the, the one more thing. It's, yeah, I, uh, it's funny because I know that I sometimes do it and when other people do it to me, it irks me so much. And, oh, yeah. But it's just like, oh, man, it, it, it's good in a sense because it uh, helps me see that, wow, that's for people who don't struggle with this, how annoying that probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I don't know if it's more annoying to me because I recognize that I do it and very self aware that I do it and it's it's break failure. It's like my 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 part of my brain is saying stop, but the other part of my brain that is responsible for action, it just keeps going. That's it. It's like and my feet are too short. I'm reaching for the brakes, but I can't reach <laughs> it. <laughs> it's like when it's like when you lock your keys in your car and and you shut the door just as you realize they're in there and you can uh, feel your fingers brushing the handle as it clicks uh, shut. The slow motion. No, no. Click. So let's talk about keys. Oh God. Let's talk about your, your, your blog, black girl lost keys. Tell us about that. Okay. So I decided I was out looking specifically for resources that would target African-Americans with um, ADHD or really any men- mental illness because it's highly stigmatized mm-hmm. in the community, mm-hmm. even to this day. And I really didn't see anything out there. There was like one blog and it hadn't been updated frequently. And I'm like, you know, maybe this is why we always hear, oh, only white people have ADHD because they're the only ones talking about it. So I'm going to make a blog. Well, if you go to any of the uh, the ADHD conferences and and really any conference that has anything to do with mental illness, Mm -hmm. it is. It's a sea of white people. Yep. It's like you, you'll you'll see your, your token black person there, maybe a couple of them, yep. but it's like why? It's like this, these things don't affect you know uh, racial minorities any any differently than than anybody else. It's like why is it just white people that are represented in these organizations? I you know it's almost like um, we're trying to put on um, such a show of strength that mm. it, it would be like putting our weakness out there and we can't do that. 
I know in my mm. family, like I've, I've kind of like black sheeped myself to a certain effect by um, by being so open about it. And I know my family and I know several other families that have a deep history of various mental illnesses, like serious ones. I have a relative who's schizophrenic. I have another relative who's bipolar. So we're not talking about, you know, what some people might consider like just the average light depression. Mm-hmm. We're we're talking about the the big ones that can really um really hurt your progress in mm-hmm. life. It's not as as simple as just taking a pill. And um in learning about that, it it really kind of led me to these conversations with people about the reason why we had gotten to that point. And after I had completely warned anybody who would listen to me out, I felt like, you know what, if, if, if I'm still feeling the need to talk about it, then I need to put it into writing. And if I feel this need, I know that there's other people out there who need it too. And maybe they'll feel safe. So let me ask you this. So here I am as this as a white person saying it's just great that you're doing this blog. You know, it's clearly <laughs> so needed. What what's been what's been the you know the response from from uh, your family, from your friends, from from just the African American community in general? You know what? It's funny. My mom and my grandmother read my blog religiously, and. It's hilarious because they'll call me up and be like, I never knew you went through that. And I'm like, you were there for some of this. How did you miss these wow. things? Like, what were you guys doing? Were you looking off in the other direction? Like, what, what were some of the things that 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 um, they said that about, that you wrote about, that they didn't know about? Like, I think one in one of the blog posts that I wrote, um, I talked about doing homework. Homework was a big deal. I went to private school. And my grandmother would pick me up after work. My mom worked um, worked second or third shift at the time. She was a forklift driver. She's awesome. She can drive as well backwards as she can forward. Anyways, moving on. Um, I would have to sit down at the dining room table or the coffee table and sit there until I finished my homework. Hmm. Four or five li- hours later, I would be done. And I said to my mom the other day, like, how did you guys not know that there was something wrong with that? You know, what, why, you can normalize anything. But um, it was the, the way that teachers approached my ADHD was in a way that was very um it really alienated my mother and cut her out of the process as far as what happened to her child um i know one of the meetings she talked about she walked into this meeting about me and my adhd and it was her versus seven teachers Hmm. a student counselor and a principal and it's like you've tested this child they tested me without her her 
prior knowledge or mm. permission. So you tested this child. You didn't ask for my permission. And now you guys are here to gang up on me and bully me into forcing my child to take medicine that you're not even sure what these side effects are. I Like, I know some kids well, on at a, Ritalin. At a, at a school meeting, I mean, that they're not even allowed to suggest medication. Isn't that something? Like, isn't it... If anything, it's funny to to look back on it now and go, wow, how everything has changed how long, since so then. How, how old are you and when were you in school? Just to get some context to that. I started kindergarten in 1990. Okay. And I think this would have been 91 okay. that they they were first looking at a diagnosis. 91, maybe 92. 91 going into 92. So, um, actually, you know what? I started kindergarten in 89 going into 90. So yeah, it would have been 91. Um, and the thing about that, like, I don't, I don't know if you remember that was like right when it seemed like that was the new thing. That was the new disease. All the kids had ADHD and it seemed like they were just, and it was mostly media hype anyway, mm-hmm. but they were just grabbing kids and, and just diagnosing them. And rumor wise, it was like, okay, they're trying to dope up black children. They're they're trying to diagnose us with this thing and say that our kids have it. So they give them drugs because they don't want to deal with their behavior. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw the uh, there was a post uh, yesterday in the uh, the ADHD rewired Facebook community about Mm -hmm. about that um, uh, report that was from Fox News that it was like, I forget what the exact verbiage was. It was something like, you know, new studies find that only, uh, the only options for, for schools are to keep, to, for kids to sit still for them to be drugged or something absurd like that. Oh um, my God. Yeah. So it's, there's just, there's so much misinformation. Absolutely. And like, I, I really feel like my family was a victim of that. They were mm. a victim of rumor. Uh, misinformation and poor, poor handling, poor boundaries um, with the school. You know, I, I was speculating. It, it just seems like um, private Christian school with single Catholic mother, maybe they felt like they knew better than she did. So your school was a private school. It wasn't a public school. It was a private school. Okay. I don't know what the laws are um, for that in in regards to medication. I know they are a little bit different just in general with the IEPs and everything. Yeah. Well, the first, the first time I was diagnosed, it was private. The second time, it was public. Okay. And I actually just found out about the first diagnosis this year oh. because I was saying to my mom, homework, you know, this homework thing, why didn't, like, I'm surprised they didn't catch this in private school. Mm-hmm. Why did it take until years later when I was in public school for them to figure out that it was ADHD? And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, what do you think I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about the fact that they never caught it. And she said, why do you think I never liked this particular teacher? 
because she said that you had ADHD. And I uh, said, well, honey, I'm sorry. She was right. <laughs> she was right. Mm. So but, what, what do you think drove her kind of uh, what not wanting to hear that? Well, you know, I think with the mental health or just health industry in general and the black community, there's like this this history of mistreatment. Can you talk a bit about that? Cause I know that, that you were, you were sharing some things with me about that. Um, when we were first talking and I was like, there's a whole history here that I think I don't really know. Um, a lot of people don't know about it. And when you tell them about it, they're always shocked. Like, um, I think we were talking about the Tuskegee. Yes. And, and, and you know what it reminded me? And I want you to, t- I want you to talk about that, but what it reminded me of when I was in high school Mm-hmm. And for the first, I, I think it was my maybe sophomore or junior year in high school. And I just had learned that, um, that America had, uh, interned the Japanese during the, the yes. World War. And I was like, wait a minute. Here I am as a Jewish kid and a half Jewish high, uh, mm-hmm. high school has 50% like Jews in the school. And we've studied the Holocaust from the time we were like probably yeah. too young to even know about it. <laughs> and it's like, why didn't I know about that? Like, it pissed me off. Isn't that shocking? It just seems so unjust. Well, there's that. And then, you know, I can sympathize with the Holocaust has always been an area that I I was interested in, um, even from a young age, which is funny that you should mention that because it's like a really morbid thing for a kid to be interested in. That's true. Um, (laughs) But it's like... like a Dr. Mengele kind of thing. Like um, one of the fathers of of modern gynecology um, got a lot of the subjects for his research by using slave women. Mm. And he did not anesthetize them. He said they couldn't feel anything. Mm. Um, Mm. There's lots of... I did not um, know that. mm Mm-hmm. There's lots of uh, research that you can do out there that'll tell you about um, black women who would go into hospitals and be sterilized without their knowledge or permission. Um, and the the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, yeah, they gave the Tuskegee University gave um, some sharecroppers syphilis well let me rephrase they came in and they had syphilis i believe the sharecroppers um, yes okay and they were going to this clinic for treatment and instead of treating them they allowed it to continue because they wanted to see if syphilis had a different effect on black men than it did on white men Hmm. and of course you know they're taking it home to their partners i think um when when was this this started oh man if i had realized i was going to talk about i would have fact give give us an ish like in a 50-year range (laughs) like probably 30-ish 40-ish but i know that the um it continued into the 70s oh wow and uh 
Bill Clinton actually ended up apologizing formally for mm. for the effects of that. Mm. And those I believe them and their children are still getting uh, free medical care because of the effects of that. Mm. I don't know if any of the gentlemen are alive still, but um, yeah, they were giving them med- like a placebo medicine for it and it, it didn't cure their syphilis. And, you know, syphilis is awful. It can blind you. It'll make you go crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible death. And it was all for the purpose of experimentation. Um, so there's br- uh, bridge that connection then for us with um, how this relates to, to ADHD and this kind of um, almost rejection of certain aspects of, is it just of health, like healthcare in general, or is it more it, mental it health? It is healthcare in general. Okay. Um, when you've got a community that's been discriminated against, I mean, people used to die because they couldn't get to colored hospitals. Mm. When you take a community that's been experimented on and lied to and discriminated against, and you tell them you're coming to them as this authority figure and saying there's something wrong with your child, and therefore we're going to put them on medicine. They're going to balk at the idea of you thinking that you can approach them and and take their children and medicate them, especially like when when you're a minority and you're being oppressed, there's so little that you have control over in your life. And one of those things is your children. Yeah. Makes and sense. you're gonna take my child and medicate them almost without my consent. Mm. It's like like the implied consent. I've, I've heard of people saying that their kid, I'm sure you've heard this too, like your kid can't come to school unless you're going to do something with them, give them medicine, do something because they're unmanageable. Um, so it was really problematic for, for my mother to have to look at that and say, you know, no, whatever it is, we're, we're going to figure something else out. So she took me to um, my pediatrician who she trusted and said, they're saying that Renee has this ADHD thing. Um, What's your take on it? Super old school doctor. He said, give her more responsibility. That'll sort her out, Mm. which did not. And probably just overwhelmed your executive functions. And uh, <laughs> absolutely like it, it just had the complete opposite effect. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it really, it really uh, did nasty little things to my school career and had some um, ill effects on my self-esteem, just like anybody else would have when they, when they deal with ADHD over a lifetime and it's untreated. Yeah. Like you, you hit that wall. Like I hit the wall academically. I hit the wall in my career. I hit the wall when I got anxiety and had to leave my job. I hit the wall when I got married. People talk about hitting the wall once. I want to know who can just hit the wall once. I think, that they're at some advantage that I haven't been given because I like, I feel like I'm a perpetual wall hitter. 
It also sounds like you're a, a perpetual um, kind of a resilience, kind of pushing through, working around, and and you know trying to either go, get around that wall or kind of plow through that wall because you keep moving, you keep going forward. Definitely, and you know what? That's another thing that's expected. You know, of course, I don't speak for the whole black community. I'm speaking for myself and my own experiences being mm-hmm. black. But I think that's something that's to be expected as a black woman. You like we came from slavery. We came from oppression and we're still here. Yeah, life is tough. You keep pushing and you survive. You mm-hmm. find a way to do it whether you've got to sing, scrub toilets, do whatever, but keep pushing so that the next generation won't have to push as hard. Like that's the expectation that, that we were raised with. So how do you think if there is this, I mean, you definitely embody this sense of, of grit and resiliency that I think is, is very respectable and uh, it's so all, it's all, truly, truly. How do we take it from there and open up to the vulnerability piece of being able to talk about these hard things? Well, for me, and it's it's not always easy to share, but I found that in sharing my story, it allows somebody else to feel like, wow, I'm not as screwed up as I thought I was. Like I, I got a message from a user when I first started blogging and she said I was up all night reading everything that you wrote because that's my story and it was like wow okay not only was this needed but it might even be desperately needed and there are people like if if we don't have our voices out there that affects the way we're being treated Mm. even because it's like I'm sure you can identify as as a as someone who's caring for somebody. You need to know these things. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you approach someone and say you need to tell your friends, family, whoever about that, and they shut you down and you don't know why? You need to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it it's it's really it's a community problem. It's not just a like the the name of the blog is Black Girl Lost Keys, but we need teachers to know about this. We need principals to know about this. We need law enforcement to know about this. Like we need everybody to kind of join hands and and come together on destigmatizing that because it's a problem. I don't think I have anything to add to that. <laughs> it's good. I mean, what truly what you just said, I mean, that's in so many ways is the heart of, of, you know, this podcast too. It's getting these, getting the stories out there and getting the, um, the message out there that, you know, it's here we are as people who have ADHD and we are pushing through and, you know, what, whether we're having successes or we're in periods of we're feeling like the world's collapsing on us. Yeah. How much strength and courage it's taking for us to do that and that it's not easy and that we're not doing it anyways. And that so this notion of, oh, well, just if you just carry it, if you just try it or if, you know, just it's a matter of willpower or it's a, it's a, a, a moral character trait. It's like 
you know, we have to take a, uh, I think just a deep breath with that and say, okay, here's a person that's coming from what they believe. How do we first uh, understand why they believe what they do? Yes. And then how do we share our story? Uh, kind of one, one story at a time because it's not going to be won by, uh, by yelling. It's not going to be won by shouting, we're right and they're wrong, even if that's yes. the case. Um, you know. <laughs> We know we're right. They just don't know it yet. And <laughs> won't they feel silly when they do? Well, if they don't, they should. You know, I'm, and I and I think that a lot of the, the people that I, especially my clients that I work with, I see this probably most often in dads that their the family's coming to to see me uh, for their their child, and mm-hmm. you know the, the dad's kind of skeptical about this whole ADHD oh, thing. Oh my god, yeah. You know, and so the things I'll hear that come out of their mouth, I was just like that when I was a kid, and you know he can he can focus for eight hours on that that video game. It's like, oh, my don't tell god. me he has he has a problems with attention it's like well i i can understand how that feels you know it's and when, then you really explain and kind of break it down and i think part of that is this this frustration of he, you know that the, the maybe it's the dad had to work so hard to get where uh yeah. they did and maybe not even recognizing that wow you had to work way harder than most and like that you know that took a lot out of you and so this is almost like almost resentment in some ways for to to when he like, sees why don't you have to work as yeah. hard as i work that's just yeah. the way life is it, and you know what that might be a good explanation for some of the resiliency too because as a black child oftentimes we hear to be considered as good you're going to have to work twice as hard and be twice as good. Mm-hmm. So you go in with that expectation already because of your skin color and then throw something like this on top of it. And you're like, you, you hear, why can't you pay attention? Like the same things that everybody else would right. hear, but it's a, a different dynamic because like, I think, that as a a white family when they see the evidence would be more more ready to acknowledge it whereas a black family will be like okay you let those white people tell you you have adhd if you want to right but you just have x y and z and that's the problem and you don't need to be dependent on medicine and uh, there's a lot of very conservative religious people in the black community. So then you're bringing that whole thing in that everybody deals with. Does Jesus want me to take medicine? Well, if if you're doing your biblical research, Luke was a physician and Paul told Timothy to take a little bit of wine for his stomach. So we can just throw that whole thing out the window if you're going to educate yourself about it. So there's, there's so much misinformation about mm-hmm. everything out there. Mm-hmm. And because ADHD affects every facet of your life, what can you do? You know, I, um, a couple of years ago, there was an editorial put out by uh, Russell Barkley, who's, you know, a prominent researcher. Oh, he's brilliant. And he discovered a, a, a manuscript that was uh, in German that was um, basically the true, the, the true, like the, the first written documentation of 
what um, is now considered ADHD, and this was in the 1700s. Isn't and, that something? And what happened with this physician who had really studied and documented um, what is now what we refer to as ADHD is that he was shunned from his community because the, the, this, they, they view this doctor as giving excuse to people who had a poor moral, uh, yes. uh character <laughs> and, you know, were, were giving into, to the devil. And, you know, it's, when you think about the roots of that, it's, you know, it's, and in some ways it's like, okay, so where would that come from? Is it from the, you know, not understanding the notions of invisible disabilities, especially when it's one that is can be inconsistent. When you have, you know, you're able to perform really well in one setting but not the other. Yes. Um, when you know you look at behavior as something that is of, you know, I don't know of. I'm I'm, I'm not a religious person, so I'm, I don't want to say the wrong, <laughs> wrong words no, and offend no. people who who are. You know um, what. <laughs> ADHD people, we're not easily offended anyway. Like, and when we are, we, we tend to get over real quickly. We forgot while we were pissed off anyway. Just say it. You're not going to offend me. You offend the listeners. I can't do anything about that. But me, you're not going to offend. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, I just think that these, these, the beliefs and the thoughts that we have about why we think and do things are so much deeper than I think a lot of us even realize. You know, we're constantly faced with with a lot of this media stuff about you know ADHD is is a myth. It's made up. It's like, you know, and yeah, I get I it frustrates me when I see that. But you know, I'm trying to look at this from okay, where does this really come from? And you know, because I think in order to address it in an effective way, we have to understand where it really comes from. What's perpetuating this this belief? Like, what's going to motivate yeah. someone to who is a even like a, a a doctor to write a book that's claiming that ADHD isn't real? Like, what's the real motivation Don't get behind me started that? Started on that Psychology Today article. <laughs> Eric Tivers, we will be here till midnight. Well, oh my <laughs> god. You know what? And let, let's just give a little. Let's just give a little background about that. Yeah, so, you go right ahead. All right. I, I can't even touch it. So, and I think I in in a, a few previous episodes I like had sort of like mentioned it, but then I didn't we didn't get into it. Mm-hmm. So there was an article, um, you know, something about ADHD isn't real, written by this doctor, and, me, and the, the, everything in the article is like, it, my favorite line was something to do with there's not any science that suggests that there's this is a real disorder, which was like, um, really, that's 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 interesting. It's like, where are you not looking? Because it's one of the most researched uh, disorders in all of mental health. Oh my and god. And then what was most absurd about all of this is when I uh I I posted my views uh on the Psychology Today blog. Because uh, as a as a clinician I I have a listing in Psychology Today. I, Absolutely. I, I get referrals for them. So I'm I'm thinking, wait a minute, like this is not okay. And so I wrote a strongly worded letter. Um uh, basically saying sh- shame on psychology today for allowing this That's to be right. posted um, and asked them to, you know, to take it down. And I asked them to make a donation to, to Chad. Um, and I found out shortly thereafter, my, my comments were deleted. That's right. 
and everybody who had something negative did, did you see it was like a robot replied like the guy basically came back and said well if you read my article and then just quoted himself and said the exact same thing regardless of whether it addressed the point or not mm-hmm. and kept going mm-hmm and it's you know i try to understand where where people are motivated by these things and because i don't think it's from a malicious place i don't like i i i think that there's an inherent good in people um mm-hmm. and i just i just have a hard time believing that something like that is from a place of of uh uh malice intent i think that there's a core belief based probably on a personal experience um you know because if we understand the way we make decisions it is not based on data it is based on that's per, true you know and and it's you know I, I i may have shared this story before where um you know the other half of my practice i work with autism and mm-hmm. um so when my son was when it was time for that like 18 month uh vaccination uh vaccination the mmr uh vaccination where all the you know this stuff about you know that's mm-hmm. what that's what causes autism and and you know i've dug through that research so you know so in such a a, a painstaking way trying to really understand it because there's so many people that uh, in the, the autism community that so adamantly believe that, you know, it's, this is from, you know, the vaccines. And it's like, mm-hmm. there is no evidence that it's from the vaccines. There's, and I look, I look at everything. I really try, I always try to really consider the other Absolutely. person's point of view um, to try to understand it. And when it was time to vaccinate my son, I was having major reservations. And I was like, what's that about? Because like in the back of your mind, it's like, what if it really is yep. causing autism? And it's a, and it's, a, it's this emotional factor on our when we make decisions based on emotional, irrational reasons versus data. And I think it's it's really important to keep that that bias in mind. Absolutely. Um, not that we shouldn't consider the emotional stuff, but we also have to understand how it influences uh, how it influences us. Um, you know, so. When we think about people who write about this, you know, ADHD isn't real. Um, you know, I one theory that these are probably people who may also struggle with ADHD and are have uh, worked, you know, um, ruthlessly to to try to get to where they are, and they're, they're probably pissed off that they have to work that hard to get where they are, and maybe they are don't fully super get it. Pissed off. <laughs> like I've heard more than one relative, one in particular who was like, well, I, I think I have ADHD, but, you know, I did this and I did that and I did this and you should too. And it's like, well, why do you want me to have to struggle and work hard? Like, why would I do that when I can just go get treated for the disorder I have? Like, you, you never hear somebody saying, I've had diabetes since you had to throw stuff in the toilet to see if your ketone level was too high and i don't want you to use that blood glucose monitor because that makes it too easy i think we should use crystals and um focus on our chakras and not that i'm dissing any of of alternative medicine but but for this stuff it's it's yeah it's just not science-based it's Um, like i think that you should just and it's like do you think that I am that foolish that I decided I was going to invent an excuse for every problem I have. And the best thing I could come up with was I have a disorder where I can pay really close attention to things that I'm interested in, but things that I'm not, I won't. That's the disorder. 
That's what we're going to do. That's the disorder I came up with. Like, it even sounds made up. You think I couldn't have made up a better disorder than that? It, and they don't want to hear about the neurological effects or anything. They, 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 it has taught me so much about um, reserving moral judgment when people struggle with things. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been talking. They're um, not moral. I've been talking um, uh, recently about uh, um, the Brene, Brene Brown's work, um, mm-hmm. the, the the power of vulnerability, which I just listened to on Audible. Um, which I mean, it's it, that speaks so much to this um, that I just think that if anyone who has not listened to uh, to that or is not familiar with their work or their work, I would highly recommend doing that. Um, you know what, Brene? Let me just jumping really quickly right here to take a really quick break so I can thank the sponsors so I can pay for all the stuff that I don't like to do, you know, absolutely. All right. And we'll be right back. <laughs> Get a zoom room. Go to erictivers.com slash zoom. I use zoom video conferencing for the ADHD rewired coaching and accountability group. Zoom makes video conferencing fun and easy. Share your screen, collaborate with a whiteboard, record the audio and video. It's ADHD friendly, go free or go pro, but go to erictivers.com slash zoom. So they know that I sent you that's erictivers.com slash zoom. Support for this podcast comes from Audible. For a free audiobook download, go to erictivers.com slash audible for a link for that free download and for some hand-picked recommendations. Go to erictivers.com slash audible for your free audiobook download. All right, Brene, we are Brene. You're Brene. I was talking about Brene. <laughs> I'm leaving that in, Renee. Why not? Welcome back. Thank you. Have you have you listened to uh, um, Brene? Oh, this is gonna this is gonna hurt my brain now. We got oh, a Renee yeah. and Brene, and I already have issues with names as it is. Have you listened to her work at all? I haven't, and I'm writing that down right now because I need another book that I need to read but haven't read yet, and. Um, <laughs> And for this that particular one, I would, uh, the power of vulnerability, it's on Audible and it's a presentation that she actually gave. It's a six and a half hour like, workshop. Okay. It's, it's amazing. It, it, it is amazing. It's, uh, it, it, it was like, this is like the piece of work that I've been looking for that I didn't really even know I was looking for. Um, wow. yeah, it's, uh, it That's truly, serious. yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going, I'm ready to do a real deep dive into her work. Um, she even has uh, certification training programs that I'm looking into now um, that are, from what I see are sold out for the next like two years. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, all about vulnerability, authenticity. Um, she has a book, Daring Greatly, that's out now. Um, so it's, you know, it's really, um, I, I saw someone in the uh, ADHD rewired Facebook uh, community I uh, said, you know, because I recommended it, and and she's listening to it, and she said, she this is the meaning of life, like it's, yeah, <laughs> which is you know, it's it's powerful. But you know what, vulnerable when once you expose yourself, even though it's painful in the beginning, like so, like 
Um, the mo- the most recent blog post I've did, I've got like a post that I've been meaning to post for like three weeks. But anyways, the most recent. I got a lot of things post. like that. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I did a, a post called the harsh reality of ADHD because we make a lot of jokes about not being able to find our keys and how zany our life is and how creative we are and having superpowers. And I think sometimes that has something to do with why neurotypical people don't take us seriously because we're so, we're so ashamed of these qualities that we Mm -hmm. have, that we're afraid to expose that be vulnerable about these things that we're struggling with for real. I I agree. I think if we're being really honest with ourselves, I think that that is a understandable ego defense mechanism. Absolutely. And I decided, you know what? I I was having a a very sucky, sucky day. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to put every single irritating facet, shame-sucking facet of my life with this disorder out there. Like, here's what's really going on with my finances here's what's really happening with my relationship. This is all the reality of having this thing. It's not all funny. It's not all cutesy stories about how I barely made it to the church on time. It's not how, how I managed to get married when I bought my husband's ring two hours before the ceremony, which is a true story. By That's the way. awesome. Love you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, people need to know that we're really suffering sometimes. Like, there's a lot of triumphs, but there's, like, the tragedies are really serious. And that that shame piece, it's so deep. I mean, I I experience it myself. Uh, You know, it's, it's, you know, every time I have that phone call, I didn't return. Or that that promise that I didn't keep, not intentionally. I mean, it just... It just, it's like a knife in the heart, you know, it's, it's that, that absolutely, you know, what's wrong with me as a person, you know, versus like, okay, you got to kind of separate yes. behavior from person. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. And then it, it's funny because we'll encourage, well, it's not a moral thing and you shouldn't judge me morally, but inwardly we're going, you are a moron. Mm-hmm. Look at what you did all over again. This is just like the last time you did this. And we just beat and beat and beat ourselves and people, we, we're all so witty and we're all so creative that we can disguise that um, walking around and the average person would, would never know how badly we're suffering. Like I think of Robin Williams and I'm like, you know, that guy had so much suffering in yeah. his life. Yeah. But he brought all that joy to people and they never took the time to notice how much he was really suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me kind of think about the, um, you know, the, the self-talk that, that, the, uh, that's in our head and often the, the not so nice kind of self-talk. I just yes. uh, listened to uh, the audio book, 10% Happier. Um, and it's, it, really good book talks so he's this guy who's uh and i can't remember his name for the life of me um 
He was a news anchor, and he had like a, a panic attack on on a, a live broadcast. Oh and, my god! Um, so he starts, and he's a total like skeptic of everything, and so he starts exploring the world of of meditation. Um, wow! And so he's exploring this totally through the lens of skepticism about everything, and really um, uh, finds and really f- found the value of meditation. And he, it was funny because he said that in his in his uh, the intro to the book. What he wanted to call the book was My Inner Voice is an Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. God, I wish I could steal that book title from him. Oh, man, that's the best. And it's great because he's like, so the, the whole 10% happier, it's, it's a very unscientific, uh, um, number. It's just, it helps. It's, you know, I can't say how much it helps. It just, it helps a little bit and every little bit helps. Absolutely. And so, you know, I've, I've gone, uh, back and forth in, uh, throughout, really starting in grad school through meditation. And so after I've read that book recently, or l- listened to that book, um, you know, I've, I've been trying to do more, uh, intentional practices of, of mindfulness-based meditation. Um, and it's, it's, I always find it's hard at first, but it, it becomes sort of, uh, automatic after, after you do it for a while. Um, and a part of that is just kind of noticing those, those, uh, those thoughts, the, you know, you're not good enough. Here you go again. And just kind of noticing them and not just taking them, not, don't take them for face value. They're in a sense, it's a chemical reaction in our brain that happens to be marked with language that we can understand. Yes. Isn't that interesting? It's fascinating if you think about it. You know what? The, the stuff that we attribute to simple chemistry is really fascinating to me. Like I was explaining to someone the other day about, you know, how the uh, amphetamines help with dopamine levels and stuff. Like, I feel like I'm an amateur scientist at this point. I just want to throw it out there. Like, this is a lot of maintenance to manage this thing. Like you have to know a lot of stuff. I agree. I, when I'm presenting uh, to, to parents, I, one of the things I'll say is like, what I'm going to tell you right now, you might not want to hear. You're going to have to become kind of an expert on something that you never wanted to know about. Yes. I mean, like you find out something and you're like, that's because of the ADHD too. God. But it helps create that separation between person and, and brain, even between mind and brain. Absolutely. Because by the time, by the time I got diagnosed for the third time, which was when I was 25, and I really, I, I was in the middle, I was getting treated for depression. And I was just, you know, standard rambling on about childhood, trying to figure out where this depression thing is coming from. And I just randomly threw out ADHD. And I'm like, yeah, they said ADHD and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going on. And she says, stop, wait, go back to that. You have ADHD? And I said, well, they said I had ADHD. I don't know if I have ADHD and tried to keep going. She said, no, 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 no. We're we're stopping the session for today. You need to go over to my colleague who is an ADHD specialist and we need to get you tested for this. And imagine how well that went over when I told my mother about it. <laughs> She's like, oh, here we go again. 
My poor mom. It's, it's like whack-a-mole, you know, you keep trying to push it away and it keeps popping up somewhere else. Like, I thought, I thought we killed this thing off the last time. Like, honey, we've got, we've got the ADHD again. Ah, oh, let me call the exterminator every spring. So, when when they diagnosed me and like i'm a voracious consumer of any kind of knowledge anyway like all i do is read all day long the internet is like the worst thing that they ever invented because <laughs> it like it, it's just more stuff for me to know that i probably don't even need to know ever in my life but i've decided that i'm going to learn about it and as i was looking out there i'm like oh my god this is all because I have ADHD. Yeah. Like I felt like I found the fountain of youth or something. Mm. It was like, this is the best thing ever. I'm not just a failure. I'm not a screw up. I just have ADHD. Great. Where's the meds? I don't, you don't have to worry about me not taking my meds. <laughs> I take them. I love them. And so now with the medication, there's no problems at all, and life's easy breezy. Well, that's what I thought until yeah. I hit a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Walls. Well, you know, it worked so well that I'm like, problem solved. Great. I take this drug. I move on. And then I got married. And when you have a whole new set of skills you have to learn and manage and new priorities, it's a lot more stuff to manage. And then I'm like, oh, well, we're not managing this thing very well at all. Mm -hmm. The medicine didn't solve the problem. Shame on you, medicine. Mm. But it, it was, I mean, you hear it all the time, but it, it, I was like, well, maybe those other people can't just manage their ADHD with medicine, but I take drugs and I've done a little bit of research and I feel like I'm just fine. And it really like knocked me back down to size and taught me, no, you're still doing things the way you always did them. And it's mm -hmm. still problematic for the way your brain works. You're just, you're, you're more focused on the wrong things now. <laughs> yes. Hyperfocus, even with medicine, ah, oh, there is no justice. You know, and and I and I try to talk to people about the whole notion that hyperfocus is a good thing. I uh, I really discourage people from from getting into hyperfocus because the it's kind of like you might get your task done, but you're gonna run out of of fuel so much faster doing that. It's like it's like go, it's like going to the store by stepping on all the way to your your, your foot to the, the pedal all the way down. You run out of gas much more quickly, and then you'll increase that inconsistency. And one of the main treatment yes. goals of ADHD is to it's kind of decrease the ups and downs to decrease the inconsistency it's like how do we try to find that middle point that more balanced point um so we're you know life's more of like a rolling hills versus these steep cliffs right <laughs> yes it like and you know this hyper focus is something i really really struggle with mm -hmm. because i'll shut out the entire world my husband will be like, you haven't eaten in days. Leave me alone. I'm almost done. And he has to constantly remind me, you have to achieve some balance with yeah, this. Like you yeah. can't go down a rabbit hole 
and stay down there for 10 days in a row, like our whole house will fall apart around you and you won't even notice. Yeah, and one of, one of the things that I'm starting to think about too with ADHD, with hyperfocus, because I know a lot of, of clients that I work with really like they, they cherish their hyperfocus. And so I'm starting to uh, think about this in the realm of what we're, we need balance. If you're kind of a, a creative person and that's your, your job is to do creative things. If hyperfocus is uh, something that you want to allow for, then you have to make room in your schedule for a couple of days of that downtime. Um, yes. you know, if you can't do that, then you have to figure other ways, I think, to otherwise you're going to be on the roller coaster. Because I mean, you're absolutely right. Like you, you can, you can use hyperfocus if you want, but the thing about hyperfocus is that when it's gone, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the issues with hyperfocus is it can be um, kind of accommodated for and scaffolded with these skills that the hyperfocus is is uh, that the person that, that utilizes hyperfocus doesn't have. So it could, it's how do you I kind of refer to it as leaving breadcrumbs for yourself, you know. So I think yeah. one of the areas that one of the reasons that people hyperfocus and you know I used to do this a lot myself is because I don't know how I'm going to pick pick it back up where I left off. Well, then that's a specific problem to, to solve. And it absolutely. takes, it takes a minute or two. You rewrite yourself a couple notes. And yeah. It takes a little effort. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's boring. And every part of my brain is like, Oh, do I really want to do that? I should just keep working. It's like, and I have to keep fighting mm -hmm. against that, you know? And so when I write those notes to myself, what, what was I doing? And then what would be my next like step or two? Then when I go to resume that task, like I, I know what to do next. And like, so that was a big aha for me uh, to, when I started realizing that hyperfocus is not the best thing. Because what I was doing is I was rocking it and I was getting all this stuff done. I mean, I was just, I was like a rock star with productivity. And then I would go for like a month and I wouldn't do a damn thing. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, well, Which this is where I'm this at is with my blog now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's this other new shiny thing that I'm interested in and I want to do it all the time. No time for blogging now. Yeah, so it's 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 figuring out that balance, and I and I got to tell you, I'm still figuring it out, and I will, I will probably always be figuring it out. A absolutely, I mean, and you know what? That I think should be something that neuro neurotypical people can relate to, because there's people who have problems with focusing on things. There's people who are disorganized. And it's just a constant struggle for all of us. Mm -hmm. So it's really like, even though we're different, we're not that different right. in right. the end of it. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of the features too are people can relate to because they've, most people experience these, the features of ADHD sometimes. Yes. But it's not, absolutely. but it's not a sometimes disorder. It's not a disorder if it's sometimes. Oh my God. Everybody has trouble paying attention sometimes. True. Yes, that's true. However. Right. And then you have to wind up into the speech. Like, do you feel like I'm trying to streamline my how ADHD is different than everybody else speech? Like, I feel like it goes on too long. Like, if I could get it into like a 30 second blurb, I May think I'll write it one day. <laughs> Maybe, though, that would be counterproductive. Maybe you're demonstrating the ADHD by going on and on and never getting to the point. How and about that? <laughs> now, that is a very good point. But you know what? It's funny through 
through toughing it out and through seeking treatment, um, my husband has an identical story to mine. So with me going through this journey, he said, you know, I was diagnosed when I was younger and I never got treated for it either. So when did he mention that, by the way? Let's see. Was that before or after the ring? It was before. That's good. (laughs) And that's when I should have run. I mean, um, (laughs) no. um, Just kidding. He has to put up with me. So I guess it's only fair. Um, But it's to see the difference in him after he got treatment and was able to focus better on his job. Like it's made a huge difference in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's another relative of mine who, when I started was like a complete skeptic, like ugh, you can't say everything is ADHD. And they started reading, like, you know, they would listen to me talk about stuff. It's like, yeah, you're on that medicine. You know, you're doing better now. That's good. But they started reading the blog and it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I think I have ADHD. And then they went and got treatment. And I said, you know what? Now we're doing it right. Because through watching us, we've proven yeah, that was the problem. And maybe you have that problem too. And if you do, it's okay to go get it fixed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there's, there's a lot of tools and a lot of things available that are helpful. Um, I have not yet found anything that burying your head in the sand for is actually helpful for. So it's, um, are you sure? <laughs> getting sand in, up your nose and, uh, <laughs> Which hurts. So helpful at the time. It's like, man. Yeah. If I could just shut this out for a little bit longer, I just know something is gonna be different later. Just try harder and just just focus and and write a list. That will help. If you just write a list. Buy a calendar. (laughs) You just need to write things down on a calendar. That will help you stay focused. Yes, yes. I, you know what? I have, I, I'm not going to out who it is, but if they're listening, they they know who they are, who used to tell me, buy a calendar. You just need to buy a calendar. You just need to buy a calendar and write things down and everything will be so much better. And finally, I had to say, listen, do you want to come to my house? Cause I have a bunch of extra calendars. I think you could use a calendar. In fact, I have a marker board calendar that I haven't even opened yet. Since you like calendars so much, you come get one. I got plenty. If a calendar was going to work for me, I would have already, it's like, if it's such a simple solution that you could come up with it, right? And you haven't looked up anything about ADHD and you don't know anything about it. Don't you think I would have run across that already and tried it and <laughs> had the problem solved? I know sometimes these things are just like so absurd that you almost can't believe you're having to have this conversation. It's like, you don't need to take that medicine. You just need to stop drinking stuff with red dye number four in it. <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. That's 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 it. And get like rid of- the only valid thing that I could hear somebody say is, 
you don't have ADHD. You just need to stop eating lead paint chips. That I'll buy. Anything else? That person has a point. That person has a point. (laughs) Everybody else can just be quiet. Oh... Renee, this is fun. I and I'm looking at the time, and I'm realizing we're at, we're at an hour and five. And by the time you know, for the people listening, this will probably be at like an hour and seven because of the intro stuff that'll be yeah. added on. So, in in consideration of other people's time, um, I'm, I'm just imagining how people are like, "Oh man, it's already been an hour. I'm late." Um, so yes. <laughs> I know I, I wanted to leave just a tiny bit of time for the random question around. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. So it is time for the random question around, which is the part of the show that has nothing to do with ADHD, which then paradoxically has everything to do with ADHD. (laughs) It's amazing that certain things that I can just memorize, that's one of them, uh, but most things that are of importance, I can't. So... um, It just flows. So, my first question: Give me, give me an invention, something that's gonna change the world that that you have created or will create. A filter on dryers for socks, so they don't get lost. Or, oh no, I can't give you that one because I gotta find an engineer to put that one together. I'm not gonna give you that one because you're gonna steal it, Eric Tivers, and then I won't be able to be a billionaire. Okay, I have to give it to you now since I gave it all this buildup. I am going to find a way to make a car seat that comes installed in the car already and is retractable. So you don't have to put it in. That's awesome. And may I make a request? Yes. A An auto like fastener for, so your kid gets in the seat yes. and it just... I mean, I, I, I like resist like going out with my son because of having to put him in the car seat it is such a pain if we could find a i way will buy that. that like every car manufacturer on the planet will want that thing we're gonna figure it out eric do they still we make those automatic seat belts or is that like do they stop doing those because of safety issues you know what i think they do still do them and if they don't they should because i, I need them. a car with them i forget to put them on my husband is like ready to strangle me over like the seat i can't tell you how many fights when we were newlyweds got started because of me and my seatbelt. why don't you just put your seatbelt on well what do you mean why should i put the seatbelt on you can't tell me what to do <laughs> you're not the boss of me Okay, so um, let me think of one more random question before we wrap this thing up. Um, Each time I do this, I I keep thinking, you know, maybe I should plan ahead for this part. But then that's just, you know... That takes away from the spontaneity. Totally, but but then some... I I find that sometimes my brain just goes blank. um, Which is happening right now. Hmm. Hmm. Um. All right. Here's the question. Mm-hmm. You just got tapped to create a children's TV show with puppets. Tell me the name of the show and what's the premise of it. The Spaghetti Squad, and it teaches kids about healthy cooking. I like that. 
and the, the, the foods are superheroes. That's why it's the spaghetti squad. I like it. See, like I've given you three three million dollar ideas already, Eric. What 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 more do you need? And and you <laughs> think about how nicely that would fit to like the 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 commercial investment with with like detergent commercials. You know, oh, yeah. so then they had the commercial where like the spaghetti gets everywhere and it comes out all white and everything. Yes, and and you know then he's posing beside a bottle of Tide or whatever. Dude, we we. See, we've got the ideas. All we need is the financing. And the implementers. Exactly. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm the idea person. Where are you? Neurotypical people, come out wherever you are. We (laughs) need one of you. We we appreciate (laughs) their value to society. Absolutely we do. Like here, I'll come up with the idea. You do all the stuff that I can't do. That's why I pay for a, a, a biller. That's why I pay for a person yes. to, to do my uh, the, the post-production of the podcast. Like, I can do it, but it's so boring to me. And it's and my brain just shuts down. Why do it? Then yep. why do it? Yep. It's, it's like too much too much to try to force yourself and, into And it. I believe that, you know, only I can do this with my voice. There are other people who can and, and are better equipped to do the other piece of it. I agree. And this is my same argument for why I need a housekeeper. And I'm glad you've agreed with me and it's recorded. So now I can push this over to my husband. I agree. See, Eric Eric pays for somebody to do the, the post-production for his podcast because it's just easier. It leaves him more room for creativity. And that's what it will do for me, too. We'll end on that. <laughs> <laughs> Renee, tell uh, tell everyone where they can reach you, where they can find your blog, and uh, you can any find final me, words. Absolutely. You can find me at blackgirllostkeys.com. You can find me at facebook.com slash blackgirllostkeys. Um, on Twitter, my handle is at Rosie, R-O-S-E-Y, Trellis, T-R-E-L-L-I-S. So I'm easy to find and and I'm very responsive. I'm always, always, always on social media. So you should get a quick response. Well, thank you. And remember all the links to everything that Renee just said will be on the show notes uh, for this episode. And Renee, thank you for spending the hour and change uh, with me. <laughs> this, this was fun. I, I don't yes, want to was. keep it going because we know starting can be the hardest part but man it's stopping a close second it really is (laughs) so with that thank you you're welcome thank you Thank you for listening to another episode of ADHD Rewired. See a full outline of this episode with all the links and other resources mentioned at ADHDrewired.com. Help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors at erictivers.com slash zoom and erictivers.com slash audible. And next time you shop Amazon, use the Amazon search portal at ADHDrewired.com. I know how hard you're trying and how frustrating it can feel when it seems like it's not enough. Learn new productivity and time management skills in a safe, supportive, and shame-free environment. Join me for the next ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. Summer sessions are coming fast. Go to coachingrewired.com 
and let me know you're interested. We'll set up a time to talk and together we'll decide if this group is right for you. That's coachingrewired.com. Thank you to everyone who filled out the ADHD Rewired ebook survey. The survey is now closed and I will announce the winner next week to tell you who won the ADHD Rewired Mystery Box of Awesomeness. Save the date, November 12th through 14th, 2015, the International Conference on ADHD is going to be at the Big Easy. Yes, that's this year's CHAD conference, and the theme is Compassion and Courage. Great theme. For more information, go to chad.org. That's C-H-A-D-D dot org. If you live in Northern Illinois, join me at Chad of Northern Illinois. We meet the third Monday of every month at 6.45 p.m. at the chapel in Grays Lake. Check ADHDrewired.com for a link with more information. And if you're looking for an ADHD support group near you, go to chad.org and search their directory. Don't just be a passive listener, be an active member of the community. ADHD Rewired is on Facebook. You can like our page, but submit your request to join our free and growing community. And please check your other inbox because I screen everyone before they come into our group. Leave a message for ADHD Rewired and hear your message on an upcoming show. You can ask me a question, share a story, or just leave a comment. Go to speakpipe.com slash ADHD Rewired, or just use the link in the show notes. As always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are like gold stars on my sticker chart. I love them. I appreciate them. They help boost my confidence in an unusual way. Uh, so please, leave me a review. I really do appreciate it, and... Truly what it helps do is it helps other people find this podcast. So thanks again for listening. And I want to thank Renee Brooks Guthridge for being my guest. Go check out her blog at blackgirllostkeys.com. But right now I got to go run home because I forgot my iPad and planning notebook there. Until next time. <laughs>